Hello, everyone. Welcome to Risk Roundup. In a digital global age, digital data touches almost every component of a nation, its government, industries, organizations, academia, and individuals, in short, referred to as NGIOAI. In the coming years, almost everything will become digitalized. This growing surge of necessary, important, yet unsecured digital data leaves nations increasingly vulnerable to criminals, spies, rogue nations, organized crime, and terrorist organizations. While the technology for managing and communicating digital data is improving at a remarkable rate, these rapid technological advances and progress comes at the expense of security. As the information and communication technology improves, it is becoming less possible to control or even identify and manage where data and documents originate or where sensitive data or digital data flows amidst the lack of effective governance and management models, tools, technologies, and processes. As many feel that the cryptographic techniques will likely become the only viable approach to assuring the privacy and security of digital data, encryption is rapidly becoming an essential tool in providing security in the digital global age. There is a growing belief that highly secure encryption can be deployed relatively cheaply and will be broadly adopted and embedded in most electronic communications products as well as applications for handling potentially valuable digital data. To discuss um, encryption and security risk further, I'm delighted to welcome Ulf Madsen from Potegrity. Ulf is the Chief Technology Officer and, passion and very passionate about encryption and security. Uh, welcome, Ulf. We are delighted to have you on Risk Roundup. Thank you. Uh, anyway, let's begin, uh, Ulf. For the benefit of our global viewers and listeners, let me begin by asking you a very fundamental question. What is encryption, Ulf? Uh, encryption is the process of encoding uh, messages or information in such a way that only authorized parties can read it. Okay. Uh, why, why is there a need to use encryption? Why can't we just have a simple communication? Why is there a need for encryption? I think the world is changing and we have a data protection dilemma of that. The enterprises of every size, every industry around the globe are producing more data than ever before. And at the same time, at the same time, there's a greater demand for access to this information. So data is produced in more places, stored in more places, processed in more places, and shared and distributed to more places. So it's, it's a growing phenomena. And it, increasingly, organizations are sharing their sensitive data outside their watchful control, watchful eye. And it's becoming a growing concern. And the challenge is to balance critical business needs and requirements while protecting your data from malicious threats. So I, I would say the world is basically uh, changing significantly. For example, cloud environments, 
uh, where you have multi-tenant environments uh, it is a special new risk and you have big data where you need to protect all this sensitive information that is collected but uh, you still want to do your analysis also the old perimeter uh, network perimeter firewalls uh, are not enough to protect us so we cannot rely on this traditional way to protect data we 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 need to realize that it's actually your data that is the new perimeter and if we are need, we need another approach here we, we cannot rely on securing the perimeter uh, we, of course we need to uh, look at the flow of data and, and still protect our networks and data flowing between data centers but we uh, need to realize that uh, more and more data is actually uh, sent out and we have no longer control over that data so we need to take an approach like encryption and uh, be careful with our encryption keys uh, and uh, maintain as much ownership and control even though we are uh, distributing and sharing data widely so that that's a, a big change in the world right no you are right there is a big change in this world and now it seems that until the middle of 19th century all encryption schemes use the same secret for encrypting and decrypting a message that is a symmetric key how is encryption different now in the 21st century? We were using symmetric key all these years. How is it different yeah. now? Yeah, there are different use cases for using symmetric key encryption and public key encryption. Uh, public key encryption is mainly for securing communication. It is, uh, as you know, slower, uh, newer, and it, it, it's also something that is uh, taking a lot of uh, footprint in processing power and storage. So if you want to uh, secure data at rest in databases, big data, cloud, yeah, and files, you need to rely on something like symmetric key encryption, where uh, public key encryption is uh, not fast enough and it is also an issue that uh, public key encryption is introducing more risk for attacks uh, one example is that we are uh, looking at uh, more processing power that are uh, actually can break uh, particularly public key encryption so we need to uh, rely on something else than uh, the new public key encryption and it, it, it's a very interesting situation we have different types of new tokenization schemes so so for example if you look historically uh, in in like 1970 we we were using a lot of uh, symmetric key encryption aes triple dash came over the years uh, it, it's a long, intrusive 
uh, message that, that is intrusive to our applications and databases. Then around year 2000, uh, we came up with format preserving types of encryption uh, where the output is more transparent for applications and databases and also provides a smaller footprint. Then in uh, year 2005, uh, tokenization, the first tokenization schemes were used mainly in the payment industry. And tokenization is interesting because it's not your data, it's not your encrypted data, it's actually a replacement value. It, it looks like your real data, but it provides a higher level of security and a lower cost of ownership. That, that's interesting. So, so it's uh, less expensive to deploy it, tokenization in existing systems. And in, in 2010, another advancement called vaultless tokenization it came around and vaultless tokenization is actually much faster much scalable so over these uh, many years tokenization and new forms of data encryption uh, lowered the pain lowered the total cost of ownership uh, and uh, to introduce encryption I see. I see. No, that is very good information. And thank you for giving that background, Ulf. So uh, when we talk about uh, communication uh, encryption, what, what are, uh, I mean, other than email communication, where else is encryption used? Can you give some examples for the understanding of our global viewers and listeners of, you know, where exactly is encryption used? Yeah. Uh, encryption is more and more widely used. Uh, in the beginning, we, we saw governments and, and a few organizations using it for communication encryption. But uh, these days, uh, many other industries are using it to protect their data at rest, data that are stored in databases and files, uh, on storage devices, USB flash devices, and it, it it's, uh, We've seen a troubling trend in data breaches where more and more data types are breached, like customers' personal records. And those files are more and more important to protect because the attackers are going after new types of data, new types of organizations that are easy targets. Yes. Yes, no, uh, I, you are right about that. Now, how do you, I mean, if, if someone wants to understand encryption, how do you, how can you explain them in simple terms how encryption works? Yeah, it, it's very simple. You, you are starting with your uh, input, usually called the plain text or clear text. And then you uh, process that input with an algorithm an encryption algorithm, a mathematical algorithm. And in that process, you are using a key, an encryption key. And the output is uh, encoded. It, it's uh, uh, un unreadable. And it, it's uh, usually called the cipher text. I see. I see. No, uh, you're, I think that's really good information. And uh, it would definitely benefit our global viewers and listeners. 
but can you also give some uh, understanding about the difference between encryption and decryption because a lot of times you hear the terms that you know encryption but there is also another term that is widely used uh, in parallel with encryption and that is decryption can you explain that yes uh, so what we talked about before here was the encryption step so you have data that is going into this uh, encryption algorithm and out you get the ciphertext the decryption is the opposite operation so it's reversing the encryption operation uh, and you get the clear text back again i see i see now uh, how when we talk about encryption how do you see nations governments in the all dif various industries organizations academia or even individuals using encryption today you you know in earlier uh, session you explained briefly about you know how uh, the it was initially used only by governments and how it is progressing now but can you give some more examples about how industries are using it how individuals are using this encryption for their uh, security purpose? Yeah, en encryption can be used for different purposes. Uh, we, we talked about the confidentiality aspects here, where you want to hide information, and uh, encryption can be used for other purposes also. For example, you can create a fingerprint uh, with a, a hash or one-way encryption process and it, it's a fingerprint that can validate the integrity verify the integrity of your data so it's not manipulated i see and for example you you can uh, use a similar process like a one-way hash function to validate the password without knowing the password you can validate that the user's password was correct by checking the fingerprint of, of the password Okay, okay. Now, uh, what is encryption algorithm? Can you explain that and what is the difference? I mean, I hear these terms symmetric as well as asymmetric algorithm. Can you explain the difference between that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a symmetric algorithm is using one key, one encryption key that is also used for decryption. An asymmetric encryption algorithm is using two different keys. One key is used for encryption and the other key is used for decryption. So you can distribute uh, one key uh, that can encrypt data. You can distribute that to a wider audience and then you keep the second key that is needed to decrypt the data. You keep that secretly so uh, only you can decrypt the data. So that, that's an example of, of Right. right. A difference. What, what is what is the you just mentioned about the hash function? So, what is the difference between cryptographic hash function and cryptographic uh, algorithm? Yeah, crypt. Well, cryptographic algorithms are in different uh, styles. Uh, many of them is a two-way reversible cryptographic algorithm. For example, DES, AES, and and block ciphers in general. Some cryptographic algorithms can be used in a one-way mode. So you can encrypt or you can uh, 
hash the input and, and create a value that can not be reversible. I see. So, for, for example, for example, you want to use it for a password. You don't want to uh, be able to reverse the password, but you you really want to check if the password is correct. So that is one example of using a hash function. I see. Got it. Now, um, I mean, everyone is trying. I mean, most uh, organizations and uh, entities across NGIO they are trying to use encryption for their security purposes for confidentiality what what are some ongoing uh, encryption issues that you see you know the entities facing uh, as far as encryption goes yeah uh, a common issue with encryption is the speed and performance we are forced to use longer encryption keys because computing computers gets faster and it, we're finding new ways to break algorithms. So a large consumption of computing resources is one issue. Another issue is the key management. The secret in this setup is the secret key. So you need to manage the encryption keys very thoroughly and that is usually a tricky part the hard part of encryption i see i see now you just mentioned that you know you have to use longer and longer uh, keys for uh, the encryption and that you know there is a way because of the fear of that it could be uh, broken so you what is your thought process on whether encryption algorithms can be broken are they easily broken or what are your thoughts on that uh, yes, we have a couple of issues that uh, lead to breaches of encryption algorithms. Uh, I would say, first of all, most data breaches are not uh, based on breaking the algorithm. They're usually trying to find a, a way to get the key, encryption key, or circumvent the encryption process. But if we talk about if, if algorithms can be broken, we have, the answer is yes, we have many broken algorithms over time, uh, DES, SHA-1, MD5, and the list is long. And some of them are broken because of faster computers, the availability of faster computers. And others are broken because we have found eventually found weaknesses in these algorithms when they are tested over time. I see. Then, then, then we have the threat of a new, very fast generation of computers in the future, quantum computers that will be a big threat, particularly against asymmetric computers. So we actually need to improve our way to protect data. And that's that's a very interesting field. And we can see that the payment industry are now implementing alternatives to encryption uh, called tokenization to increase the security. Right, right. No, yeah, I, I hear you on that. Now, there are also some concerns that interference from security agencies has weakened the data encryption standard algorithm. 
and many believe that it has weakened encryption products and subvert cryptographic standards. What are your thoughts on that? Do you agree to that? Well, if you weaken the encryption or put a backdoor in the encryption implementation, uh, criminals will certainly try to explore that. Uh, and they will not use the weak encryption. They will have access to stronger encryption. So I think it's not helping us if, if we are giving them the favor of uh, putting a backdoor in some encryption. Uh, and, and then the criminals are using, still using strong encryption. And these backdoors are typically uh, uh, put in systems that are used by the good guys. Uh, so they will be penalized if, if, if we do something like that. If the government implemented a, a recovery, key recovery system where the government kept the key some years ago and they wanted the telco industry to use that it, and it, it survived only a couple of years and then the industry was not interested in, in having that set up. And uh, uh, the customers are demanding strong products. Yes. Yes. No, that is true. I mean, that, that challenge is ongoing that, you know, the government wants a backdoor uh, for the, you know, to access the encrypted data that could help them in their investigations. I mean, they have a fair point that they want the law enforcement agencies to have uh, some access to uh, the data so that they can, you know, investigate properly. But at the same time, that also gives uh, security vulnerability uh, to, you know, uh, all these products. And uh, that would also make it very hard for uh, giving the security and privacy that, you know, the industry wants to provide to individuals or to entities. So that is a growing concern. And especially at a time when nations are trying to, uh, struggling to make the cyberspace more secure, these backdoor proposals of uh, that are you know uh, coming from some nations that is a step backward by building weaknesses into cyber infrastructure and uh, i think that is uh, going to be interesting to see you know how it goes for how we how nations go forward on that and how we resolve this uh, issue with the governments but it seems that the technology industry chooses absolute privacy and I can understand why over security and are creating encrypted communication that protects the user's privacy in a way that prevents law enforcement or even the companies themselves from accessing the content. Now that is also a security concern because terrorist organizations or criminal organizations, they can use these uh, processes and these encrypted products and uh, encrypted communication channels to you know, communicate and uh, plan uh, whatever criminal activities they are trying to you know go for. So uh, that is also concerned by a lot of people and many governments and many organizations. That why are technology companies focused on privacy over security? Because there needs to be some sort of balance, you know, between privacy and security. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's an interesting situation. I, I agree when you say uh, we, we shouldn't take a step backwards. We Instead, we need to take a step forward to fight uh, criminal organizations. 
And I, I think the technology must be strong. And if, if someone need ac access, for example, government, if, it should be based on a court order. It shouldn't be a weakness in the product that, that uh, bad guys actually can, can, can use. I, I think that safety or, or secure, public security, uh, if there, there are so many ways to study how uh, criminal organizations are um, exchanging information and, and working together. Uh, I, I think that uh, the privacy is important because it, our society is built on uh, keeping information secret. There are so many business systems that are keeping business information and, uh, and personal information secret. Uh, and I think it would be uh, very, uh, very much a I think a breakdown yes. yeah, of these systems if we make them weaker. Yes, no, I, I hear your point on that, that we all want to make sure and ensure that, you know, the, our data, our information, our ideas, our plans and everything, you know, is private and confidential. And we don't want any technology security vulnerability that could, you know, provide access to information uh, to whoever who is trying to you know misuse that uh, information so that is going to be a challenge how the technology uh, industry is going to come up with ways to secure data to give privacy as well as at the same time uh, help the governments and the law enforcement to make sure that you know they can assist them with their uh, legal requirement or with a requirement to make sure that you know no terrorist activities or no criminal activities are planned uh, by using this encrypted technology and uh, uh, the security uh, that uh, we are providing absolute security so there is there will be no way of knowing what kind of planning is going on so we will have to wait and see how technology companies and uh, the law enforcement they come up with a process to uh, manage this you know delicate balance now let's talk about how encryption works the key components related to encryption that security professionals need to understand include data at rest versus data in transit algorithms and key management can you briefly explain each of these components for the benefit of the global viewers and listeners the data in uh, rest data in transit algorithms and key management yes uh we, we have seen in uh, many recent uh, major data breaches that uh, these criminals are going after data across the whole data flow. Uh, it, it's even if we encrypt data at rest in databases and files, and we encrypt data in transit on networks, uh, we will continue to see more and more uh, malware and viruses, for example, the type of uh, viruses that, that or malware used in, in breaches like the large target retailer breach pretty recently, and, and many more breaches. So what they are doing, it, they are avoiding the data at rest. They're avoiding uh, uh, the stealing of data from the network. They're instead going after what is sometimes called data in use. So for example, in, in uh, several retail breaches, 
they had virus and malware that were uh, stealing the data from uh, application memory, database memory, uh, computer memory. It, so to actually fight that trend of attacks uh, and breaches, we need to protect the data flow, including the data in use, not just data at rest and, and in transit, because this is, this is a increasing trend of advanced attacks. And we're, we're seeing organizations, standard organizations, payment organizations, that are taking this approach. Uh, they are looking at recent data breaches and they are saying that we actually need to protect the whole data flow. Yes, yes. No, I, I hear you. I think it's a very important point that when data is in use, that is the time, you know, there needs to be more security. And uh, yeah, I, I hear you on that. Now, cl cloud services offer dramatically reduced overheads and increased flexibility over traditional solutions for uh, each nation, its uh, government, individuals, entities across, you know, industries. However, the current risk management framework, policies, privacy standards, and compliance concerns create numerous data security challenges for each and every nation, its, all its entities uh, across the NGIOA that are increasingly relying on cloud services for holding more of their sensitive data. Now, cloud data protection gateways easily leverage tokenization and encryption to transparently isolate and protect sensitive data before it gets to the cloud and offer activity monitoring, including cloud-based big data databases or applications, giving nations the freedom to use any type of private or public cloud service without the risk of exposure. Is this secure? Uh I think cloud is very interesting. It, it's something that we cannot uh, avoid. There will be a lot of use of public cloud. So we need to uh, make that use more secure. Uh, cloud is, is one example of where a lot of data is, is outsourced to, to basically someone else's computer. And in public cloud, you typically have environments where, uh, multi-tenant environments, where you share the computing resources with, uh, yeah, you don't know who you're sharing it with. Yes. Uh, it, it could be criminals. And we have seen examples where criminals or researchers are, are showing how you can steal data and encryption keys from one tenant to another tenant. So we, we have a situation where if, if we are looking at increasing our control, we can use cloud gateways, uh, for example, to keep the encryption keys. Our encryption keys never leave that environment. We are not sending the encryption keys to the cloud because we don't trust the cloud, basically. And we are not sending clear text data to and from the cloud, because we, we don't trust the cloud. Yeah, there are still so many issues. So we want to utilize cloud, but uh, have sufficient security. And I think cloud gateways are excellent. They, they can protect the data before it goes into cloud, big data, or any outsourced or new uh, uh, facility 
where security is not uh, sufficient. Yes, yes. Now, uh, now, digital data and databases can be treasure troves of sensitive information, from personal data to confidential competitive information and intellectual property. Lost or stolen data can result in serious business as well as legal challenges. Now, many of today's privacy mandates require protecting data at rest. Are they effective? Uh, you know, the criminals are catching up. They, they are very uh, effective and efficient and, and smart, they're moving fast, they have, they're well organized, and, and we are seeing more advanced attacks across the whole data flow. And uh, our current privacy mandates are um, not really keeping up in most situations. Uh, for example, if, if you look at uh, one good example, uh, that is the payment card industry standard, PCI, where uh, the payment industry basically said, we need to protect the data flow. It's not enough to encrypt the communication and encrypt the databases because uh, the attackers are stealing the data in those gaps or air gaps. So the payment industry, they started to standardize on data tokenization instead of encryption. For example, uh, Apple Pay, uh, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, uh, they, they have defined standards for data tokenization. So they are replacing encryption with data tokenization. And MasterCard, for example, are saying they are doing it to make payments more secure. I see. But I'm glad you shared that information. That is uh, uh, really good to know. And I'm sure that that would be very helpful for the security industry. Now, uh, organizations can choose to encrypt data at the application level, database level, or storage level. What are the differences and uh, on what basis should we decide which one to you know use? And uh, what would be the right uh, approach? Yeah, I think the answer is, as always in security, you need to do proper risk management. And based on your risk management, your data classification, the sensitivity level of the different data types, the location where you process that data, and also the business use cases, the business transactions that need to operate on the data, all that need to go into risk management so you can find a balance between how you secure the data and, and how you want it trans transparent to your business applications. So uh, I, I think it, it's not a one trick pony here that is required. It's not one answer. So depending on all these things, use, different use cases for different data and locations, it, it's applicable and appropriate to do the protection at the application level and sometimes in database level, sometimes, or at, at the storage file level, uh, volume level in some cases. So I think the, uh, the whole uh, approach must be based on risk management. Yes, yes, that is the key. That is underlying uh, fundamental principle that, you know, understand your risk and then, you know, decide on 
what will be the right approach and what right strategy to go forward. Now, based on your experience, what are the risks that you see associated with database encryption? Yeah, we, we have seen more and more data encryption over the years. And the criminals are smart. They are saying that uh, let's attack the data at, at the application level instead, where the data is not protected. Uh, and that's where you have uh, uh, the attacks, uh, typically where you have the attacks by malware or viruses. Uh, some, some are called RAM scrapers, memory scrapers. So they are attacking the data before it goes into the database or after it, it, uh, it's been decrypted by the data play, database. So the, again, depending on your risk management, you need to take uh, uh, use alternative approaches. So database encryption is just part of that. And for example, one, ex uh, one approach is to, to say like MasterCard and Visa and Apple Pay said, let's make it more secure. Uh, let's use data tokenization. So, so they, they, they created standards and products to, to secure against these uh, new advanced attacks. They didn't rely on database encryption. Right. I know that is, that is good to know. I'm glad you shared that information. Now, there is a growing concern that the deployment of encryption is still very patchy. Do you see the uh, validity of those you know, concerns? Yeah. Uh, I think it's a major issue. Uh, organizations are starting to use uh, a wider mix of environments across cloud, across big data, uh, new corporate systems, uh, old corporate systems, mobile. And uh, these data silos, different data systems need to be consistent. Uh, it, it, they need to be enforcing a common security policy, yes. rules for how the data should be uh, protected and accessed. So, so I, I think we the right way is to uh, not use point solutions that are only protecting um, some of the data silos. Instead, you need to take a, a data-centric approach where uh, you have a corporate policy enforced across the entire data flow inside your enterprise and, and, and in cloud and big data. No, good point. I, I, I agree with you on that, that there needs to be standards and uh, that is the best way to go forward so that we don't have to face the challenges of the silos. Now, while there is a growing concern about widespread use of unescrowed cryptography, there is also an increasing alarm over the vulnerability of the critical security infrastructure. Now, furthermore, key re recovery requirements to the extent that they make encryption cumbersome or expensive can have the effect of discouraging or delaying the deployment of cryptography in increasingly vulnerable computing and communication networks. Do you agree to these concerns? Yes. Uh, over the years, it, it it was very hard to do encryption. The, the, the old school encryption, uh, uh, the complex key management. Uh, for many years, we tried to do a key escrow, and and it didn't work. And and base, basically, a, a key escrow is is making 
uh, your key management more vulnerable. You, you are more vulnerable for the leakage and stealing of encryption keys in, in that type of scenario. So again, I think, I think uh, many industries uh, have started to look at alternatives to the old school key management based on uh, traditional encryption algorithms. And, and again, I think very significant what Visa, MasterCard, and Apple Pay uh, did. They, they basically decided that uh, the new way forward is to tokenize the data so it's protected in the data flow. And you don't need to care about key management uh, uh, as much anymore. Right, right. No, that that uh, I, I I hear you on that, and I think that's a very wise approach, uh, especially when we look at and evaluate all these uh, security challenges and security challenge possibilities uh, that comes with the encryption. Uh, now, cryptography policy is a very complex area with scientific, technical, and political, social, business, and economic dimensions to it. What are your thoughts on whether secure key recovery systems that meet both public as well as private specifications are technically possible? And if so, what additional cost and risk we should expect such systems to entail? Yeah, uh, I, I think it comes down to a question about who you trust. Yes. It is very sensitive if you are sharing your encryption keys with someone that you uh, really don't trust and with someone that maybe is not liable. Yes. I mean, like, like the cloud providers, they are typically not liable for any loss of your data. Yes. And, and, and you typically don't know what, what is going on inside those cloud environments. So it's technically possible. We, we have seen uh, these type of escrow systems in, in, uh, in many shapes over the years, and they are not successful. And I, I also think that uh, the, the criminals and, and uh, other organizations will stand outside uh, and, and uh, not sharing this capability. So the good guys will be penalized because uh, these more, uh, let's say, secure key recovery systems are expensive. They're hard to manage. Uh, it's hard to main, uh, replace the encryption keys. And they are open up, opening up new attack surfaces so yes, we have seen it's technically impossible. It's technically possible to do it, yes. but it's 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 still, I think, an ongoing discussion. If how and and uh, should we do it, and who should we trust in in a scenario like that? Yes, you're you're right. I, I uh, hear you on that. Now, what what are some applications of cryptography that you have seen? You know over the years and what are the other possible applications that you see, you know, uh, emerging in the coming years? Yeah. I mean, we talk a lot about data confidentiality and that, that that's an important aspect in, in data trust, data in transit. Uh, what we should remember that cryptography, 
cryptography is is also used to uh, verify, validate that uh, I actually did a transaction, it typically called non-repudiation. I cannot deny that I did a certain transaction. And it's, uh, we mentioned a little bit about the integrity and signing. So I, I can use cryptography to, to actually uh, validate the integrity of the data so it's not manipul manipulated. Right, right. No, I, I uh, hear you on that. Now, uh, any key recovery infrastructure, by its very nature, introduces a new and vulnerable path to the unauthorized recovery of data where one did not otherwise exist. This introduces at least two harmful effects. One is that it removes the inherent guarantee of security available through non-recoverable systems. And the second is that it creates new concentrations of decryption information that are high value targets for criminals or other attackers or hackers who are trying to you know, uh, do criminal activity. Now these risks arise with cryptography use in communication and storage, but perhaps even more intensely with cryptography used in authentication. They are compounded even further if any keys are used for more than one of these purposes. What can be done? Yeah, I think we should always be concerned and cautious when we create new concentrations of sensitive information, like encryption keys. Uh, we have an example a couple of years ago where uh, a security company, major security company, uh, kept a copy of, of the authentication key, uh, to put it simply, and, and for, for government systems. Uh, and these keys were stolen, a very severe, uh, theft of, of, of secret information. So I, I agree, particularly in the authentication scenario, we should be very, very sensitive to create new concentrations. Right, right. Now, and, and on top of that, we also face the challenges of insider, you know, abuse. And uh, like any other security system with a human element, key recovery systems are particularly vulnerable to compromise by authorized individuals who abuse or misuse their positions. I mean, once you authorize someone uh, with some responsibility, we do not know if that person or individual will use that for, you know, authorized use or unauthorized. So the risk of insider abuse becomes even more evident when attempts can be made by design key recovery schemes that are intentional in scope. Can technology help to prevent such misuse? Yeah, I... I think it goes back to what we said before, that we, we should not step down the security of our systems. We, we should not uh, make them more uh, vulnerable. We, we should not be relying on uh, more individuals or organizations that, that, that are, need to be trusted. Uh, we should go the other way and, and strengthen our systems. And, and these concentrations, they will for sure be very attractive target uh, that, that attackers will go after. They, they are also expensive, complex to, to manage. So I, I think it's, it's a path that, that we uh, tried and we didn't really succeed in finding an agreeable model uh, some time ago. 
Yes. Now, I mean, uh, so far we we were thinking that you know, once you encry use encryption, once you encrypt the data, that its uh, data security is guaranteed. But now, with the more and more information coming out, we know that there are a lot of vulnerabilities and it is not a hundred percent secure if you use uh, encryption it's not like you know the data security is guaranteed so what are the risks associated with encryption strategies and where do you see the challenges um yeah on one side we have the malicious code and and it it's an uphill battle because we have seen that malicious code um, malware, uh, Trojan horses, viruses, they are better and better in hiding. So they are harder to discover. And it, I think if we need to inspect the data, th there should be uh, a legal reason to allow inspection of the data. Uh, we we cannot dummy down our systems, and, and we need to keep them uh, at the level where they protect the data better to fight against advanced attacks and malicious code. Yes, yes. I mean, uh, that is one way of definitely doing it, but there also are other challenges about the timing, how much time it would take to get the legal, you know, uh, warrant or the, you know, court order and, you know, access the information by that time, the criminal activity would all probably have already occurred. So those are the challenges and uh, discussions that uh, will be coming. In the, we'll have to, you know, the industry and the governments and the legal community will have to have those discussions because uh, it's uh, uh, there is no foolproof answer on that there is a very delicate balance about the timing and the you know privacy and security so we'll have to wait and see how we uh, come with the proper answers on that and how we properly secure uh, the information data you know with the encryption without encryption and how we go forward now with the explosion in data digitalization would the current public public clouds or private clouds uh, be sufficient in addressing security requirements at all levels? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that the public cloud and other types of cloud, uh, they are based on sharing. That's the whole concept, sharing, elasticity, and sharing of resources will open up to new exposures, new vulnerabilities. Uh, and I don't think it's sufficient what we have today. There are uh, compliance requirements that, that uh, are hard to meet. Uh, I think it, it, we need to take a data-centric approach. We are, uh, there could be country boundaries uh, and and we should remember that you are actually giving your data away to someone else's computer. Yes. So it it's um, at this point you are still owning the data. You are still liable for what happens to the data, but you have no control. You have no control. That's right. So 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 I think we to be able to continue and use utilize these environments, we need to. Uh, 
enforce the control. Yes. Now, I mean, I, we send the data. You're, you're absolutely right on that. And also, I mean, with the with the once you give up the ownership of your data, you put the data in the cloud. Once the data is digitalized, there there are also very you know genuine questions about who actually owns the data. And uh, once you store it in the cloud, I mean, people are also saying that, you know, uh, over the years, in the coming years, we would ne actually need to hire lawyers to prove that this is our data. And mm -hmm. those are the kind of, you know, challenges that we will come across. And uh, it is also said that data, once, it is once you put the data in cloud, it is still stored in multiple places. And it is, if you try, even let's say, you know, you try to delete that data, it is never fully destroyed. It is always there somewhere, you know, it is stored. So when someone cancels a cloud subscription or deletes data in cloud, what happens to the data? I mean, is it fully uh, deleted or is it still part of the uh, cloud somewhere in the storage? Yeah, it, it, that's a serious issue because we, we know that cloud computing is based on copying data to, to different places to create the uh, availability and performance. And it, you, we typically don't know where all the copies of the data uh, exist. And, and we have uh, contracts that are saying, service level agreements and user contract that are saying, even if you cancel your subscription, uh, you st the cloud provider can still uh, copy your data, and and uh, that contract is still valid in, in many cases. And you basically sign up uh, for allowing the cloud provider to to copy and reuse your data, translate your data. Uh, so, so you better read the contract very carefully. Very we, we we know that uh, the European safe harbor was cancelled in October, and the new uh, data rules uh, that are coming are are uh, one of the cornerstones. Uh, uh, will be the right to be forgotten, and and that can be very hard in a cloud environment where you don't really know where all the data is. Yes, very true. Now, do you think technology industry will be able to come up with uh, some solutions for this that, okay, once you decide that you want to delete this data in the cloud, it would be deleted in all forms, in all locations. Do you think that uh, possibility is there in the coming years that technology will come up with a solution to destroy the data once you delete that? Uh, I think the right way forward is to keep your encryption keys uh, so you know that the data is no longer sensitive. So you, you don't really care if it's uh, fully deleted. You, you, have, you still have uh, your uh, keys in your possession and, and you have not shared those keys with anyone else. Or you can take the approach like the payment industry is doing, tokenize the data. And you don't care if, where the tokens are stored because it's no longer sensitive data. Uh, and I, I think that that's a very flexible model. We have seen um, 
for example, Microsoft, they are building two data cent new data centers in Germany to be able to keep their uh, German clients' data within Germany. And that's a very inflexible and expensive proposal that is going against the whole cloud model. Uh, and I think we need to take a more data-centric look at it and and uh, protect the data in, in, in these ways that I'm talking about. No, that's a good point, uh, Ulf. And when you talk about the cost, how what is the difference in the cost between tokenization and encryption? Uh, encryption algorithms, uh, they are broken now and then. They, they will be uh, more that will be broken. Uh, and you have uh, all the key management issues where you distribute the encryption keys. Uh, that That's a huge vulnerability. Tokenization, on the other hand, is like um, the payment industry is saying, it's no longer the data. It's, yes. it, it, it's not sensitive. It's just a pointer to, to the data. And you keep the secrets. You, you just distribute these tokens that are of no value to an attacker. I see. No, I, I, I hear you on that. But now, why is it that only the uh, financial industry is using the tokenization? And why are not all industries uh, taking a step forward on that? I think it's a historic historical reason. The payment industry, uh, they were attacked by criminals early on. Uh, and the payment industry came together in standardization, uh, the PCI DSS standardization, that it showed the way how to uh, protect data in, in a very effective way. And uh, now the attackers, they, they are moving to other targets, other types of data, uh, to industries that are more vulnerable. So uh, uh, many people are saying that it's getting worse because uh, these issues are spreading to other industries where they can, uh, the criminals can, can make uh, greater profits and and find easier targets. Right, right. Now, when we talk about uh, data security and our, uh, uh, encryption and tokenization, now we also know that the artificial intelligence and the machine learning and automation is coming uh, very rapidly. It's emerging very rapidly. So will we see a continued move to machine learning and automation to keep pace with the speed and volume of data uh, globally to secure the data in transit, data in rest, data in use. What are your thoughts? Do you, what are, what are your thoughts about the automation and the artificial intelligence when it comes to the data security? Yeah. I think it's important over time it, to, to, we're seeing insider threats where insiders or insider accounts, administrator accounts, 
are misusing the privileges. So they are uh, they are uh, using a different access pattern than than uh, uh, the good user. Uh, and I think it's important to to utilize or, or build machine learning that actually can discover the misuse of data. So I think it's a great complement. We, we need to protect the data, but we also need to understand how these more advanced attacks are, are behaving. Yes. Yes, you're right. Uh, now, there are mixed feelings about data encryption depending on who you are talking to. What are your thoughts on encryption? as a means of data security. I mean, we discussed uh, briefly about tokenization also has about how financial industry is moving forward with tokenization uh, to ensure security. But uh, most of the industries are still using encryption. So what are your thoughts about data encryption uh, when it comes to about security? Because as we discussed before that if you secure the communication the channels that is emails and all all other you know uh, calls and everything that uh, is normally used by the uh, terrorist organizations or criminals then also you know the legal community has a problem by not getting the information uh, in a timely manner so that is a challenge so how what are how would the industry or is there any debate going on uh, within the technology industry about how to uh, ensure that you know data encryption uh, is used for the security and that security vulnerabilities are not created in a manner that criminals use it you know without any uh, hurdles and they are able to plan uh, criminal activities what are your thoughts on that I think the criminals will use strong data protection to, to hide their operations anyway. Uh, I don't think it matters for them what the good guys are trying to do here uh, because we are uh, playing with different rules. What I think is important is that uh, the good guys are using stronger protection for our transactions uh, so we can keep the bad guys uh, at bay and and protect against the bad guys i think that that's to me that sounds like a viable approach yes now i mean uh, this uh, it, the topic of encryption and security and privacy is uh, such an interesting topic that we can probably talk for hours on this but i think you know we are uh, coming close to our one hour session so uh, i think this is probably the last uh, point that we will discuss with is that data is growing at an exponential rate and creates both opportunities as well as risk where do you see the opportunities and what are the risk facing nations its government industries organizations academia and individuals by the potential and ability to have real data intelligence in real time uh, real data intelligence in real time it that that is a growing issue because we are generating uh, 
data in a more rapid rate. You have Internet of Things and you have uh, different mobile devices that are increasing the amount of data and the, and the speed of data. And we are we're doing it because we, uh, we want to reap the benefits of what's sometimes called the digital business to, to be able to deliver faster, better to, to the customers. So we're generating more data and, and we're piling up all this data and it, it will be more data at stake and, and more and more of the data is, is sensitive. Yes. So we are creating a, a, a big risk, but businesses want to actually uh, utilize the opportunities and benefits of, of digital business and it, it, when, when this is moving faster and faster almost into a chaos uh, unfortunately uh, there will be less time for proper risk management so, so, so I think we need to be conservative and say uh, let's protect the sensitive data at an early point when we acquire the data and, and then we can potentially relax uh, later on when we, are, we have done proper risk management. I need to be, I think we need to be very conservative. Otherwise, we are uh, playing a very risky game. Yes, good point. Now, uh, uh, Ulfi, I really appreciate your time and uh, uh, we are honored that you took uh, so much time and you made such a good effort in explaining everything about encryption in a manner that would help our global viewers and listeners tremendously uh, what what are your concluding thoughts about one thing that you would like to change uh, as a you know technology executive uh, when it comes to security and encryption what are i would uh, give you last thought on that I, I think it's a good example what the payment industry uh, did uh, with the payment data. They, they concluded, they are smart, they concluded that it, it's a very effective way to use encryption uh, or replace encryption with tokenization. And it, I, we're also seeing that it, health data, medical data, it, personally identifiable information is uh, looking at and using more of these approaches that the payment industry applied. Uh, and a lot of the data, uh, uh, PII data, PHI data, can be protected by using the same type of tokenization, data tokenization that the payment industry uh, decided to to standardize on, so I think that that's a major uh, major trend. Yes, uh, thank you all for for sharing that, and uh, I hear your points on that, and that is the very reason that we have 
launched his risk roundup uh, in an integrated strategic uh, security risk dialogue uh, through our cybersecurity risk research center and strategic security risk research center uh, by risk group so that we can collectively identify, evaluate, and manage the risk facing nations, its government, industries, organizations, academia in cyberspace, geospace, and space. So all the important points that you discussed uh, and you shared the information about tokenization and how the financial industry is moving forward in a secured way and how it could help the other industries, that uh, all is very useful information. And I'm sure our global viewers and listeners across industries and across nations, they will benefit from this uh, information. And uh, uh, Ulf, thank you so much for uh, sharing uh, your thoughts uh, on Risk Roundup. And uh, I hope that, you know, as we move forward and as we come up with more technologies like uh, encryption and tokenization, uh, that you would, you know, be willing to come on Risk Roundup again and share your uh, thoughts on its security risk and issues and what we need to be aware uh, as a global community, uh, as industries, as concerned individuals, uh, so that we can have a good balance of security and privacy and we are able to manage our risk e effectively. So thank you so much for that, Ulf. Thank you. My pleasure. Okay, so uh, let's manage our existing and emerging risks together and to uh, for more information on the risk roundups and to watch the risk roundup videos or to hear the risk roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and uh, do not forget to share and subscribe. Until next time, I'm Jayashree Pandya, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. Thank you and have a good day. See you next time.